Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode lucky number 15. Chris, hello. How are you? Hello. I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Much better doing than last week. Much better than that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Survived the uh, the stomach bug. Yeah. That's, I, had a, I had a few days this last week of sleep being sort of weird. Uh, I'm dating a woman now, and she has cats, and I'm allergic to cats. And yeah. uh, sleeping over at her place was a challenge. Uh, and I figured out if I just got a really expensive HEPA air filter and turn it on full blast, I'm not allergic to her gas anymore. So, uh, but but then still, like, I, I had to, I, I have historically suffered from sleep onset insomnia. That was a whole project last year of trying to figure sleep out. But I feel like I've mostly corrected for it. But things like sleeping in a different environment still throw me off. There's all these little things I've noticed of, like, temperature and the timing and my brain just loves habits and patterns and if anything in that flow of like okay i go to this bathroom and i here's my toothbrush and i floss like this and then right after that i go and lay in this bed and it feels like this and the temperature is about this uh so that that getting shaken a little bit uh just threw me off on sleep and i noticed it and i'm able to track it and like i have numbers on it and I was able to like take a nap and correct for it. And then last night, uh, slept at my place and was able to like, Oh, I've, I've, uh, recovered from that. And I, I feel that my brain feels more awake and I'm able to better do things. Uh, that's, that's my health yeah. <laughs> update for yeah. last week. It's, I thought about that this week too, because we, so last week we talked about keeping the monkey happy. And part of that is, you know, just good sleep and good food. And if, like when I eat junk and sleep poorly, I don't get anything done the next day. And yeah. I know that and still don't eat well and don't sleep well, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so that's an ongoing thing with me as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the better you can make your sleep and eating habits, uh, the better, it, the better it is. Agreed. It's amazing to me how much the fundamentals of things impact these higher level orders. It, it's so attractive to get caught up in like, ooh, this new productivity hack. It's called eat that frog. And you just have to have this daily planner and do the, answer these three questions every day. And that doesn't have nearly as much of an impact as like, are you sleeping and are you eating food and are you exercising? Yep. And like, if you can get those three things down, that is more impactful than any productivity thing you could possibly do. And until you get those three things, it doesn't make sense to spend any time at anything higher level. Uh, I, it's a lesson I keep having to relearn and I hope to one day internalize that I am a good parent for myself and I'm taking care of those fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm terrible at it, but yeah. So I need to get better. <laughs> uh, small note on the podcast, the sound still sounds crunched to me and we both have the best microphone. And so it's not the microphone. It's nothing in hardware and individually the soundtracks sound good. But there's something in my automated video editor script that's when I mix the two signals together, it sounds more crunched. And that's a that's a goal of mine for this next week. I would love to decrease the the audio listening fatigue uh, for our beloved listeners of this podcast and have uh, nice high quality sound. And so playing with the bitrate, I think, is the next experiment in that I want to... I think also if I looked at like the audio graph, I'm not sure what that's called, but the, the waveform and yeah. I, I want to be able to see visually what's actually happening. Uh, yeah. That I'm calling this, this more crunch sound. When I was listening back to it last week, it sounded a little like clipping, but you're right. It's, I would call it, it's different than clipping. I think uh, crunching is a good word because uh, it's sort of clipping, but, um, and I only notice it sometimes. So I don't know if it's, 
like most of the time our volume is fine and then it only clips a little on some of the yeah, I'm, I'm not sure uh so yeah i think the audio is fine but if you want to improve it go for it <laughs> i agree that it's fine and harkening back to an episode i think two or three ago talking about how like perfect is the enemy of good like it's good enough just like ship it fix it in the next one uh yes the, it, the audio quality is not nearly bad enough that like i would not publish these episodes uh and it's a point of continual improvement i would like each episode's quality to be better than the last one it's like the the difference in audio quality between a really high quality npr podcast and a telephone call that's the like you can still hear what they're saying but it's crunched it's the space is smaller the the i don't know i don't know what it is the, yeah. or the hertz are less or the <laughs> I, I i don't i don't understand audio as well as i do now video i want to i want to dive into that and figure it out yeah i would love to talk with you about one of my favorite tweet threads that i've seen on twitter in years uh Talk to me about Acorn Chat and this building assassin week. I have loved these videos. What has your experience been in doing that? That's the thing you said you wanted to work on last week. Yeah. You did it. I love it. It's great. Uh, how was that? Sure. So last week we talked about all the things that I needed to do. And you even we even talked after the podcast and you helped me like work through my priorities and like what I was going to do. And then I mostly ignored you and just launched <laughs> this thing anyway. Um, so yeah, so I had this idea uh, a while ago that I wanted to build a SaaS that's most like that I already know there's competitors out there. So I know people want it and I can get it into a marketplace. So in this case, it's the Slack app marketplace so that I at least get some inbound traffic. So that that's basically my goals. It has to exist and um, it has to be in the Slack app marketplace. And I have, I've have wanted before like this live chat widgets on some of my sites um, because I think they're, I, th I think like talking to customers is really important, right? And that is one way that people, you can help people over roadblocks, you know, just by having Slack open all day they chat to you from the website, it goes to Slack, you chat back. And um, building it yourself is actually pretty tricky. So there's these apps that exist that do it. Uh, there's about two dozen of them. Um, there's probably more, but that's what I found in the app marketplace. Um, and so I had the idea to build one of those. And in order to force myself to do it and to do it kind of in public, I was going to do it in a week and then tweet about all of my steps along the way. Um, and since I have been doing these short two minute videos, cause Twitter allows two minute and 20 vi second videos, um, I have a video for every step as well. And so it's like setting up the repo, getting rails started, getting user authentication. Um, and now it's into, you know, building out the first bits and it's, uh, then it's going to be the Slack app like marketplace. Um, and then I'm also including things in there like, so the last one I just did was launch before you're ready. So like I have the chat app widget done on the front end. There is a lot that I don't like about it. I want to change a lot about it, uh, but it works for what it's supposed to do. And so, yeah. you know, that's it. I'm shipping that. Um, yeah, so I'm halfway through this now. Uh, I think I will get done in a week, like only just. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm super interested to see where it goes, you know. Yeah. Same. I've been, every time one pops up, I'm so excited. Like, I look at it right away, like, oh, my gosh. So se several things from my end of being someone who's uh, just watching this unfold. I love the two minute, 20 second limitation on creativity. That's, it, it, it is a perfect boundary for the the type of thing that you can say. And so every it, everything is very chunked and, and self-contained. And uh, in, a, in a similar way to how it's so much more difficult to write a poem than it is to write a haiku about refrigerators 
having this arbitrary limitation of, okay, it has to be a video and it has to be less than two minutes and 20 seconds long. It feels like the chunking happens much more naturally of like, okay, here's the next thing I'm doing. I'm setting up SSL certificates or I'm uh, adding an email domain. Well, uh, any of those tasks effectively extend to everything else that you're doing. And it's not necessarily clear where the start of that thing is and where the end of the thing is. But by having this thing of like, okay, it's two minutes, and 20 seconds. This is the length of the video. Oh, it just makes it so tight and crunchy. And like you have a little title of this is the thing I'm doing in this video. And then you do it. And I've gotten value in under two minutes and 20 seconds. And I love it. It's, it's, it's such a cool format for, uh, for learning and seeing the, the work that you're doing. Um, yeah. Another can thing can I've really, go ahead. I was gonna say, it makes it much easier to, produ to produce too, because like previously I'd be like, like want, if I switch camera angles, for example, I want transitions or if I switch screens, you know, I'm worried about all that. Well, when I got two minutes, I just cut from one to the other, like no, like yeah. no cruft, you know? And uh, so yeah. it's, it's been easier to produce as well. I love it. I, uh, small side question. I noticed your video is in a circle in the lower right side of the screen. Yeah. Uh, and I shared cam head with you. Is that what you're using? It is not. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I need, okay. I need, uh, I need it in the other side of the screen. I need it smaller. And uh, I have, I have another requirement for you. I need it flipped 180 degrees. Uh, because oh. when I'm looking at my screen, if I put it in the lower right side of my screen, the video, yeah. it looks like I'm looking away from my code, which looks wrong. And so I, I translated 180 degrees, um, so that it looks like I'm looking at the other side of my screen. <laughs> I have added that to my feature list. That's not something yeah. I would have thought of. That's that yeah. makes perfect sense though. So if you uh, do those, if, if you do those things, I'll use cam head, but yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I'm probably not going to do those things, but okay. maybe but I'll your, do it. Your you future request has been noticed. You shared the code with me, so maybe I could figure it out. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, do it. Do your own pull request. Uh, second thing that I loved about it was uh, by making it a video series, you're doing something that's very difficult to do in writing, but I think something that comes very naturally in video, which is showing instead of telling. And the the benefit of that, I think I articulated while watching one of your videos, because you were explaining how to do something. And in the process of doing that, I don't remember what specifically this was. I, I wish I'd written it down, but your goal was something like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna connect uh, the email domains and do the DKM signing or something. And in watching you do that, there was a step of it that you just sort of glossed over as unimportant of like, oh, and uh, oh, this is annoying. You, you have to do this. And uh, oh, it had something to do with email. It might come to me, I don't remember. But that was a, that was a problem that I had had that like, I didn't know how to do. And by seeing, just by seeing you like physically go through it, that answered a question that I had that I don't think you knew I would have had. Uh, and if this was something that you were writing down of a tutorial or something, that's a detail that I think would have been glossed over because in your head, this is trivially easy for you. You're just writing down what it is, but as a video, you're forcing yourself to walk through every single step of it and capture the steps that to you are unconscious. Uh, and so I, I really like that, uh, as a, as a fun benefit of the medium of these sort of video tutorials. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few spots I, I may have included on purpose. If it's, was it the Gmail one, like adding something to G suite and then was it that one or was it no. a, a different one? Okay. Anyway, um, there's been a remember. few spots. So there's like, first of all, I realized there's about 50 steps to setting up a SAS <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and I've internalized them all. Right. But it like, it's <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there's a lot of steps and at every step, there's like some little something or other. Yeah. And so the one I'm thinking about is when you set up G suite, if you try to add your email to an existing paid plan as an alias and you go do the thing in the DNS and then add your domain in Google domains and then try to add it, it will ask you for a username and password. And you're like, what? I just, I don't get it. Why? And what you have, all you have to do is wait two hours 
for Google to like Google servers to like process the thing and then uh. do it. The first time I did that, it took like I tried for two hours to do it, and then it just worked, and I didn't know what happened. The second time, I kind of recognized it. By the seventh time or so, I was like, "Oh, okay, I just need to wait two hours." So yeah, by sharing tips like that in these videos, like I, there, that's happened probably five or six times as I've been giving these videos. I'm like, "Oh sure. yeah, this took me like two days to learn." Here you go. Yeah. yeah, I love it. What a what a beautiful illustration of what expertise is. Like, <laughs> it's it's a series of tasks that you have struggled for two days to learn each individual thing that can be expressed in 10 seconds. I love that. I, it, I love watching experts work. I'm in a similar vein. I'm fascinated by these like master craftsman videos on YouTube of someone who's just worked like with iron for the right. last 50 years and they just know all the tricks and they know all the ways that something can go wrong. And so you see them doing these things that don't really make sense of like, ah, why did they splash this thing with water at, the, at this point? But it's because they've been through this thing where they got caught in this rabbit hole for two days trying to figure out why this thing wasn't working. And they figured out the solution to it was, oh, they you know, splash water on it in this step. And then that never happened again. And you don't have to think about it. Uh, oh, it's, it's, it's so fun watching you work uh, doing this. It's, it's great. I don't necessarily agree with all of your architecture decisions. Uh, I've, I've personally moved away from rails. We talked about how I hate Heroku. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> one of those questions that I have is why have subdomains for the app and separate marketing, uh, www sites? This is not something that I have a strong opinion on, but it's something I've seen a lot of people do, uh, and uh, more established companies. Like when you're using Firebase, you don't go to firebase.com. You go to console.firebase.com. And I don't understand the pros and cons of that. Uh, I understand some of the cons of like, now I have to have separate domains. Uh, but, oh, and another con for me, I think, is that there's weird things I want to do if someone is logged in uh, and they go to the main site. I want them to just go immediately to the, the dashboard and not see the marketing site. Uh, and that's something I've seen apps struggle with that have separate sites. What, what's your take on that? Why, why did you split the marketing in the app site? Yeah, so this is something I see a lot of companies get wrong um, and some get right, but yeah, okay. So... I first read about this, so I had seen it before, and then Tyler Tringus posted on Twitter once. I, I, I link in my tweet, I linked to his tweet too, um, and he said, "Make sure you do this at the beginning of a SaaS." And I was the same way. I was like, "Why? Why?" Um, because at the beginning of a SaaS, like you have your app, and it serves your homepage, it serves your app, it serves your blog, it serves your whatever. Uh, but once you're say 12 people, then you have a marketing team, you know, or a hundred people, you have a marketing team who wants to update the, the wording on the site. You have a content writers who want to update the blog. You have your backend developers who want to do the app. And if you have to redeploy your app for every single one of those things, then it gets mm. it's super disruptive. You have to involve developers every time. Um, and so the point is to fix it at the beginning. And so if you have a marketing team later, they can use WordPress or ghost or like whatever they want for the marketing side. And it doesn't affect your app at all. Um, and then in my case, especially, I wanted an embed dot subdomain uh, because the thing that I'm doing is putting a little embedded widget on every customer's page. So they may have, you know, whatever, a million page views, you know, to completely separate from like me. So that needs to be super highly available and I don't want it to hit my app in the future. Like right now it's just part of the app, but in the future I can put it on a CDN and then I don't have to worry about how many page views my customer's getting. So mm. it's completely separate from my app. Um, the other thing is, so say for example, you get on Hacker News and your site goes down. If your marketing site and your backend are separate, then at least your backend is still up for your existing customers, even mm. if your marketing site goes down. Um, so that's another another thing. 
Um, I agree there's cons though. So the cons are, it's a little weird. It's, it's like, you got to switch domains. You have to pay attention to more domains. And then especially what you're talking about, like the automatically logging in, um, that's something a lot of companies don't do. The way you fix it is by having a shared cookie, but you have to design for that at the beginning too. And so, yeah, so I just, I share my cookie across my app and regular subdomains, um, which by the way, took me four and a half hours to figure out how to do like uh, <laughs> over the weekend. So that's not trivial, uh, but now that I know how to do it, okay, I know how to do it. Um, you can convey it now in 10 seconds. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you do have to do a little bit of that, uh, but that's why you wanna do that. Now, I say all that to say, for you and me, who are mostly gonna be solar developers, probably doesn't matter at all <laughs> because <laughs> we have small apps. Uh, we're not we're never gonna have a team of 100, right? And so it probably does not matter. Um, but if you're building something and you're thinking about growing it, then those are all the reasons you may want to do that. That's solid. That's a, that's a good exploration of the landscape. I think I agree that it doesn't make sense for me to do that. And I don't even think it makes sense for me to preemptively do that thinking about one day having a separate marketing team, because it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it would be too difficult to move domains. Like, I guess if people had deep links within the app side of it that were floating around. I would yeah, which is what I'm going to have. I, I gave every person an embed link. So mm. if that link is not embed dot from the beginning, then they're going to have old links and I can't update them. So yeah, yeah that's why that. from the beginning, I need that embed dot link to, to be right. I see the argument for the embed link. I solved this problem for file inbox because it's the same sort of architecture of uh, that someone has to embed a, a JavaScript widget and it's embedded on some sites that are getting ridiculous numbers of page views. Uh, and I don't remember how I solved it. I, it's going through a CDN, but I didn't use, I think it's Cloudflare. And I think I, I set up like in Nginx that any asset got forwarded through Cloudflare. Uh, yeah, so that's the, how I set that up. Yeah, that's the other way you can do it. So Cloudflare, you can cache like certain, you know, just certain routes or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that would absolutely work too. And probably what I, well, I, is what I will end up doing like before I design some, you know, CDN backend or whatever. I'll probably just right. use Cloudflare, yeah. Um, that makes sense. But embed dot gives you much more flexibility of like, yeah. if you wanted to take that entire embed dot domain and push that to Cloudflare, that would, that would make that much more simple in the future. Exactly. Okay. And, like and from right now, it's almost no work. Like I set it up the once and I add yeah. embed dot in front of my, all my links and everything yeah. else is the same. Like I only deploy once. I don't have to deploy to each subdomain. Like it's all just a DNS record. So yep, yep. yeah, it was just worth it. That makes sense. Are your, I noticed the uh, embed JavaScript that you had uh, was I thought it was .ejs? Is that right? Are you doing yep. something dynamic in that in that JavaScript? Yep, I am. This okay. is something else that I'll probably change. But um, yeah. yeah, so the it's dynamic per customer because you have to open the iframe like with their customer code in it and everything. Right. Uh, and also, I'm going to let them customize like everything about it. Like so, you can d update it for your colors, so you can like your website colors, so you can put your own messages on it or whatever. Um, so it needs to be dynamic. And that's fine for now that it's going through rails, uh, in the future, if this thing turns into something where it's getting a lot, you know, I can put it behind Cloudflare. That's one thing, but I could also cache them by writing files to a, you know, a CDN somewhere like, like writing files to S3 or something. Um, so in the future, it may be more, uh, smart than it is, <laughs> but yeah, right now it's just EGS. That's a clever architecture. Okay. So it's, there, there are things that need to be customized per embed like the color yep um 
and you could be caching those at the level of the JavaScript file. I think I'm surprised by that because now the JavaScript is harder to cache, and now you're introducing this this whole new complexity of like cache invalidation um, of writing files to S3 if you're trying to if you're trying to uh, simplify that. And I think the way I've seen embeds work is that like the, the embed code is just a static JavaScript file. It's always linking to the, the exact same thing. Um, and whatever customization needs to happen for that is happening in JavaScript of like it's an API call or uh, it's embedded like as a query perimeter for the JavaScript, but it's not actually changing anything server side. It's just like the JavaScript is looking at whatever that data is. Yeah. So you, you can do that, but then you have the same problem because then you get the static J JavaScript file, but then you have a unique yeah. API call. Um, so, and yeah, that has yeah, the yeah. personalization in it. So, yeah. Okay. And for something like this, like how often are they going to change the colors of their embed? Right. right. And so whenever yeah. they do, you just force the cache invalidation. And, yeah, yeah. 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 And it doesn't matter that the writes are more expensive. Okay. I like that. Interesting. Ah, that's, hmm. I'm re-architecting a file inbox. And so I'm, I might. I might steal that. I need to chew on that more, though. Um, there was one more thing you said in the process of doing this. You're launched before you're ready video. Uh, mm -hmm. I love that so much. <laughs> That's such a powerful idea, The this idea of, like, perfect is the enemy of good. Uh, and as soon as you get a good enough front end, like, go forward and, and do it. And I think you're able to do that because you're you're laser-focused on, like, this is the point where people start getting value. People get value when they can embed this line of JavaScript in their site, and that lets customers uh, chat with them, and that chat goes into Slack. And any other details that are not that path uh, would be nice to have, like the text overflowing. Uh, that would be a nice to have thing if, if the design was like a little bit cleaner. But does that prevent you from getting to that goal? No, then it's not important. I'm reminded of this aphorism I heard recently, I think on Twitter, of uh, successful people are very detail-oriented and unsuccessful people are very detail-oriented <laughs> and successful people are focused on the details that matter. And of course, because at any point in this, you're going to get sucked down this rabbit hole of like, ah, oh, the, the text is slightly overflowing. <laughs> Let me dive into that and make that perfect. Uh, there are so many in the, in the course of doing this, I imagine like thousands, if not millions of different little micro decisions like that of details that you had to consciously choose to ignore in order to, to go forward and get to this path, this goal as quickly as possible. Uh, I, I love seeing you sprint to this goal, just like single-mindedly, <laughs> like the, the, the way to get to where you're going, I think depends on the details that you choose to ignore more than the details that you choose to matter. And it's it's fun seeing an example of that, of you consciously making the decision of like, everything in this class of it could look better, doesn't matter because the value of the place I'm trying to get to is gonna get reached. Yeah, yeah. That, so like in the text overflow example, I spent 10 minutes trying to fix that. I could not, so I was just like, forget it, I'm moving on. <laughs> you know, I, yes. if I was not doing this SAS in a week, like thread, I probably would have spent another two hours trying to fix that, right? Yeah. Um, and so I like forcing myself into this constraint because it lets me do that thing. It also, like, I envision launching with um, being able to change, like, the color and everything of, of the, the chat widget. Yeah. It turns out that making this is harder than I thought it was going to be, especially while documenting the whole thing. So I have to <laughs> drop something. So that's something that I just dropped. And, yes, um, great. And that's probably a good choice, right? Getting it out into 
you know, people's hands is better than uh, getting it all perfect at the beginning. So yes, that's what I'm forcing myself to do. I have 48 more hours or so, <laughs> and I, I think <laughs> I will get done. Um, so, yeah. What do we have left? A, a Slack integration? Slack integration is a big one. Uh, okay. Slack integration for async took me a day to do the first time. Okay. Now that I've done it the first time, I think I could probably do it in four hours. That's my guess. Fantastic. Um, and then Stripe integration. Stripe integration is basically almost already done. Like I, all the code is the same. I just have to swap out the prices, which is awesome. Love it. Um, then the marketing site. That's marketing site is one where I could spend a week on it just by itself. You know, like to get everything perfect. Uh, yep. But I will probably put something together in about an hour. <laughs> and yep. Call that good. Um, and yeah, that's the big one. So Slack integration. Uh, oh, there's some other things like uh, there's a button to delete a site if you add one, um, but it doesn't work. Uh, probably should work. Uh, there's some other stuff like that, but cool. I love it. I, it sounds like you're, uh, probably going to be able to do this in the next 48 hours. I think so. <laughs> it, yeah. How exciting. I, I've just, I've loved so much watching you do this. Uh, and this is, I feel like I'm talking to a different Chris than I was talking to last week. I'm like, <laughs> you're so directed and moving forward meaningfully on a goal that, that you are really intrinsically enjoying. Like, this is great. I, I love that you're doing this and I love that, that this is getting done. Uh, it's really cool to watch you. Yeah. One of the reasons that I set up this challenge is because I've noticed in the past that when I have a goal like this, especially a public one, I am way more focused. I get much more done and it mm. feels directional. Um, like you said, and when I'm not, I'm very listless. Like you probably yeah. heard the last three or four weeks, <laughs> <laughs> especially when I'm not feeling very well. Um, so I'm way happier and I get more done now. Will it turn into profit? That is something to be determined, but I am getting a lot done and I like it a lot better. So, yeah. And whether or not this in particular will turn into profit, I think is an unimportant question. The the things yeah. that you've learned in the process of doing this of like, oh, you're incredibly motivated if you just set a goal for yourself and have some sort of a, a public way that you're documenting your progress. Uh, okay, well, great. That that toolkit now, that map of how you've determined this is a way that you can successfully move forward in the world, you can apply that to anything. Uh, you you Even if this is a, a complete failure and uh like commercially and no one ever uses it uh you have still gotten like a, a increased twitter following and uh you've learned more about what it takes for to motivate you forward and you've learned more about the process of shipping something out quickly uh th there's no way that you could fail in spending time in this way like if, if you can launch something like this in a week and you have a year of runway Okay, if you do this 52 more times, like, right. which I don't think I could do, things, but yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, but one, okay, so say like, you know, you do once every, every other, other week, week or something, and you do yeah. 20 of them. Uh, one of those 20 things is going to be fantastically successful uh, and, and just optimizing for this game of like, how can you be rolling the dice more often? Uh, how can you get more of the reps in? I think is a, a fantastic way to go forward. Yeah, and that's why I'm already excited because I've already learned a ton. And so it's already success whether or not it succeeds or not. So, yep, yeah. love it. Cool. How about you? What did you get up to this week? I had an equally great week. This was one of the few weeks where I feel like I set my goals for what I wanted to do at the end of the last podcast. And then I did the things that I said I was going to do. Awesome. awesome. I didn't get sidetracked. I like I pushed forward meaningfully the, the things that I wanted to do and they got done. Uh, and then I went and did a little bit more. Uh, so to recap last week, I wanted to be able to smooth out this flow of that uh, a person could actually use this. Uh, so from the beginning, switching from YouTube embeds, which were going to be kind of fragile with uh, figuring out how to download YouTube videos, switching from that to video uploads. Uh, 
which is complicated because you have to figure out cloud storage and uh, how to upload from the browser and things like that. I did it. It's done. You can do awesome. it. You can drag and drop a video <laughs> into it, and it uploads. Oh, it's great. Uh, and then... I needed to switch around the architecture so that a brand has a video instead of a user having a video. I did it, and I knocked that out in like, I think two hours. Uh, and part of that was weird of doing migrations in this serverless architecture mm. is strange. You have to like query in JavaScript and be doing the stuff in JavaScript, but I figured that out and I'll, I'll be better at doing that next time. Uh, but I loved the architecture of uh, adding, adding brand authentication was kind of neat because uh, in this serverless Firebase architecture, it's it's a it's a NoSQL database, so you can have uh, data models that are like an array, and then you can set up security rules based on the contents of each object. So I can do something like say uh, a user has access to this object if that user is authenticated and their user ID is contained in hmm. the array of user IDs within the object, and it just feels very clean. Uh, and then to implement features like oh, I would love to see everyone's brands so that I have access to edit those. Okay, well, that's as simple as, let me add my own user ID to each one of the brand arrays uh, for the IDs. So that was fun. I, I Thinking in this serverless Firebase way is weird, and I'm a little cautious that if anything ever changed in Firebase, I'm, I'm creating a dependency on them that if they started charging 10 times more, I'd, I'd uh, be in trouble. But there's some open source alternatives and uh, specifically for Firebase. Uh, so I don't, I don't feel terrible about learning this specific architecture and, and going forward. Uh, yeah. I feel like I'm just sort of outsourcing my DevOps to, to Google. Yeah. Google has a history of killing projects, but at this point, Firebase is big enough and enough companies depend on them that I think you're, you're safe. I sure hope so. Uh, <laughs> Parse was a competitor to yeah. them like six years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they got shut down. So I wasn't happy about them. I think after Facebook bought them. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, and then shut them down. What's up with that, Facebook? Why'd you do that? I don't know. Facebook has a weird history of acquisitions. Oh, Facebook. <laughs> Why are you like this? Uh, oh, so this is fun. The biggest feature I wanted to do was being able to do the clipping in the cloud. Hmm. And there's an API called QEncode that lets you do transcoding of videos and also some really basic video operations of like clipping and, and merging videos together. And I did it. I got to the point where like, okay, I've changed the architecture so that uh, someone's uploading the video. So I have access to the raw video and I have a clip title and a clip in point and out point. So now let me send this off to QEncode and then set up a, a listener for when QEncode drops the completed video back into Google Cloud Storage that updates the model. And I, I was able to do it. And like, oh, it's so fun of the way that I built this. It could scale to 100 million people and it would still work. I would be paying so much more in server costs, but that's <laughs> right. the only thing that I would need to be thinking about because QEncode is their own API and they handle their own scaling. And uh, Firebase has this promise of like, you can scale to as many people as you want and it just works. Uh, oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. Uh, did not get to the point where I was able to transcribe the videos and do my little social Gary Fee vacation, which is why I didn't post any of the clips I made uh, for last week's episode. So I think I'm just going to post those late or something. Uh, but yeah. Oh, I feel really good about that. And I know like what the next seven steps are. And then fun little bonus piece of work. I, at the end of the day, when I made the actual clipping part, I was really proud of it. And I had like half an hour before the next thing I had scheduled. 
And so I was like, ah, it'd be cool if I recorded a quick little video about this. Cause like, I'm feeling excited about this now and I'd like to convey this excitement uh, while I'm still feeling it. And before this is boring, I'm like, oh yes, of course. It, it can clip. <laughs> right. So I uh, opened cam head, which was just like command spacebar cam enter. And then I changed my video resolution, which was, uh, I have set up to be semicolon nine. And then I went to terminal and started screen recording, uh, which was uh, comma SR enter. So in under 10 keystrokes, I started recording this video talking about it and I recorded one and it took like a minute and a half. And then I rewatched that and was like, oh, I didn't like that. I could do it better. And so I did it better. Uh, and then I had that and then I transcribed it, which was like comma transcribe and then the path of the video. And then I had to correct like two words. And then uh, I was like, okay, that's cool. And uploaded that to Twitter. And then I had like five minutes left to get ready for my next thing. And so the entire process took like 25 minutes to get that video out, just sort of as an afterthought of like, oh, I did yeah. this cool piece of work today and I'm, I'm uh, gonna post about it. And that tweet got like, <laughs> it got like 50 engagements and had a whole bunch of people retweeting it. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is cool. <laughs> How fun is it that it's, it's not, it's kind of it's kind of unique in this sort of work of like you can make a video about the work that you did and then people tell you what a good job you did. Like, yeah. There's accountants don't do that. Uh, <laughs> and like if if I worked in a lumber yard, I'm not going to record a video of like look at all this lumber I made today. Uh, but maybe they could. Maybe that's I don't know. It's it's kind of a fun thing of the the social media age that we live in. Uh, so fueled by that and uh, seeing like oh my gosh, there's a lot of people asking about this. Uh, I whipped up a landing page the next day that was started off. I just wanted it to be like a really simple, this thing is in development and put your email here and you can sign up for my newsletter. And I was able to get to that point so quickly that I was like, oh, maybe I should have like a little explanation of what this is. And then I started thinking, well, okay, the structure I would want for that is this pain dream fix structure from, uh, that I'm borrowing from Amy Hoy. Uh, she has a really nice template of a, uh, long form landing page of how to do that. And then I was like, oh, and I'd, I'd like some illustrations of here's the type of clipping thing that I'm doing. And, oh, I could embed my original tweet to have an example of, uh, what that looks like. And by the end of it, you know, I think two and a half hours later, suddenly I have a half decent landing page that's not perfect, but it's a shipped thing that people are reading. And now I have 11 people on my email list of people who want to know about this. Uh, and I thought at first that it was just like my friends because <laughs> I noticed like Leanna Patch was on there and uh, Margaret, uh, oh, I, I'm so sorry, Margaret, I forgot your last name. Uh, and I was like, oh, they're, they're just getting on this because like they're my friend and they want to see what I'm up to. And I asked Leanna and she was like, no, Christian, you're so <laughs> egotistical. I don't, I don't care about you. <laughs> like this is, this is a thing that I actually want. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's cool. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really good about where that is and the work I did last week and where it's going. It feels like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. So, so I saw your tweet about that too, and you already gave me Camhead, so I didn't put my email on the list. So it's not just your, it's not just friends putting it on to be on your list. Um, they that's probably funny. actually want it. Uh, yeah, no, like what you said is, I, I talked to someone else about that kind of this week too. Like, the more you make the machine easier, the the more stuff you can put out. You know, the, like, and also like before, I it was took me so long to do a screencast because the the like I had to get everything set up and everything. Now I have a pretty good flow. A uh, cam head would be the last uh, piece of that puzzle that's easier. But like I have, like for example, I have it so dialed in that I have my second monitor at the right resolution all the time. So yes. like anytime I want, I just slide a window over there and I hit record and it, it already just works. Um, so 
you can just put put out way more content if you if you do that kind of thing which is awesome um and then mm -hmm. the other thing you said about lumber yards I don't know about Lumberyards, but I did watch an excavator for 20 minutes the other day on YouTube, just digging. <laughs> and this guy was explaining what he was doing. And it was awesome. It was like super cathartic to just see this like thing digging up mud. Um, yeah. And he had like a million views for his excavator digging. Uh, Amazing. So yeah, you know, like in this kind of world where you can see anything you want, like if you produce the content, there will be people to watch it. So yes. Oh man, I love that. I, I have a friend who's a arborist, uh, my cousin, and he has started doing some social media videos of his arborist work and for him it's just like that's just his typical day and it's sort of boring but by putting just a little bit more marginal effort in of like oh you know i'm at the top of this tree and i'll right. pan the camera down and he's 200 feet up this giant pine tree and you're like oh my god uh he's he's able to i hate this term because it feels so hokey and uh like youtubery but he's able to grow his audience now of he's building trust and now if i ever have a thought oh i have this tree that needs pruning i'm gonna think of him because I've seen his videos of doing that and I trust him and I, I feel like I've sort of built up a relationship with him. Uh, this, this meta skill of recording and sharing the things that you're doing, uh, I, I think it's applicable to, to anything. Uh, so anyone out there listening, if you're doing a thing, figure out a way to record it and <laughs> tell people about it because it's really cool when you show your work. Uh, I have one point of clarification. I think I was uh, not clear in the the project that i was uh making the landing page for uh and i have 17 different projects going on i have not yet made a site for a landing page for camhead uh, oh, okay, although that okay. is very high on my to-do list that was uh, clips, that, clips that marketing. marketing okay okay yes yes yes, yes. Yeah. uh but like same thing the the logic still applies uh yeah. although now that i have this it would be much easier to do one for camhead hmm be pretty good i need to ship that first though i need to just like get it on the app store i think it's like three buttons i need to click i might just do that yeah um, yeah. So there's another thing that, so we talked about like excavators and arborists and stuff like, uh, most, especially like, uh, plumber, like any tradesperson in a local town, most mm -hmm. are like, they're spending so much time on their business. They have no time to spend on social media or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. but if you, if you just started filming, like what you did or whatever, then you start getting a social media following, mm -hmm. which may not make sense. Cause those people aren't in your town. Right. Uh, but then you can go like the local newspaper and say, Hey, I have 10,000 people. Maybe you could republished one of my you know articles or whatever so it's like even if you don't think it could be helpful it's almost mm -hmm. certainly helpful to publish what you're doing and showing your work like that because mm -hmm. it can be applied in so many different ways you know even if the people watching you directly aren't the ones that are going to like buy more of your services or or whatever yeah agreed uh i'm reminded of my sister and brother-in-law are very interested in starting their own businesses my sister wants to start a tutoring business and my brother-in-law wants to start a uh like a mobile mechanic business and i was talking with them about it because i've read so much about the software business and i, I was sort of curious about like okay how many of these lessons would still apply for a, an in-person business and it, first of all it felt so much easier to give someone else advice than to like follow yeah, yeah. up myself of like, course okay, yes, you need to like tell everyone about this and you need to hand out flyers in the neighborhood. And like that, would, I would feel so self-conscious doing that with, with my own thing, but it's so easy to, to see for someone else. Like, yes, of course you, you run a mobile mechanic business, go to every neighborhood in a two mile radius and print out these door hangers and like say that this is the service you offer. And you're probably going to get like 50 people contact you the next day, uh, scheduling things. Um, but I, I also laid out for them a plan of what they could do with social media of like 
film some videos of tutorials of you teaching these basic calculus things. And then you could take that video and promote it in YouTube. Uh, I think regionally, I think YouTube lets you make, uh, yeah, YouTube lets you get pretty, yeah, you go down to the city, I think. Yeah. Perfect. So like for a tutoring business, you, you record some videos of you teaching calculus things and you do that by thinking in your customer's perspective of like, how would they be phrasing, trying to solve the problems that they're having that you can help them with. Uh, and it's going to be weird. It's going to be words that you're not familiar with. Of like, what is the squiggly line in front of the? What, what's the? What does the F symbol mean uh, when trying to take an integral or something? Uh, and if you can talk in the customer's voice and build up that trust, uh, then it, it sort of becomes trivially easy to build this audience. Uh, and oh, it was so interesting talking with them because they they were echoing these same sorts of like self-conscious. Uh, oh well, I I couldn't do that, and oh, <laughs> uh, I I. I'm not good enough to be helping people in this way and talking to them and seeing them external to me. It's like, no, of course you are. <laughs> You're yeah. helping people with problems they have. That's enough. Yes. Tell everyone about it. Uh, you're not spending nearly enough time on the marketing side of it. And if I had control over how much time you were spending marketing versus actually doing the thing, I would ratchet way up the marketing side that you're doing. And I would say like, you spend, you know, three quarters of your time recording these videos and figuring out advertisements and things. And yet for myself, that is so difficult to do because I, I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy a Facebook ad for a thing I've made and oh, am I really good enough to do this? And like, it's dude, funny how that works. Am I not it? just wasting someone's time doing it? Yeah. So doing clips marketing for me is like, it's a, it's a way for me to practice getting more of myself out there and realizing that like, no, yeah, I do have some interesting things to say that people are interested in. And so many people out there are just like mindlessly scrolling through, through their phones. And uh, most of the content out there is so boring. And if I have something that might actually improve your life that you're actually interested in, like, yes, I, I would love to do that as much as possible. And hey, not everyone's going to like it. It's not for everyone. And that's good. Uh, just don't follow me. <laughs> like, that's fine. Uh, so I, I'm learning much more about myself and getting much more comfortable embodying these ideas that I've uh, learned academically in marketing of like, it's okay to tell people about a thing that you're doing. Uh, and in fact, it even helps them if you're pursuing this genuinely uh, and not just trying to put more of yourself out there to, to uh, nefariously capture more people's attention. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm warming up to that idea. Yeah. I have all the same thoughts. Yeah. It's like when you talked about like putting a door flyer on everybody's door, it's like you may get, you'll get 50 customers, but you'll get two people probably yell at you. Yep. Right. And you'll get 90% of the people ignore you. Um, yes. But for those 50 people, you're really going to help them. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you just have to get more comfortable with that. Like there's going to be some people who are going to hate what you're doing. You got to handle that. And then most people are going to ignore you. And that doesn't mean they hate you. It just means they have other stuff going on in their lives. Right. So, but for those 50 people, that's super helpful. So, yes. Yeah. And they're going to be thankful that you put that flyer on their door. That's the, that's the thing I want to get more comfortable with. I look forward to you putting more flyers on my door virtually with more installments of this building assassin in a week. Uh, I love it as a, as a representative of the market, keep it coming. Uh, awesome. it's, awesome. it's great. It's <laughs> It's directly helping me. And Acorn Chat might even be a thing that I want to use directly. I, I built my own hacky version of that uh, in File Inbox that just goes to email. Oh, you know what? Maybe not, because I hate Slack. Uh, this this <laughs> may be another like, non-rational so, problem. Yeah, so I wanted it in Slack because I have Slack open all the time. Um, yeah. Uh, but one of the things I was going to do for sure, but not in the first version, is make one, a web interface for it um, so you don't have to use Slack. 
and also a mobile app because I think I think the app stores are really under well I, I was going to say underutilized but a lot of people utilize it. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's it's difficult to un, to underestimate overestimate how many people are going to come to your app or just by downloading it from the app store like oh what's this um, mm. and so that's another marketing channel. Okay, so there's that and then the other thing I was going to wanted to do is eventually connect it into other things. So connect it into Teams, mm. connect it into you know who knows github connected into crms um one of the things about chat is about half of the apps out there are basically crms with chat attached and about half are just the chat so i think if i can integrate with a crm i don't want to build a crm but if i integrate with one i think that's another way to get more customers um so maybe in the future there will be an iteration of acorn chat that you would uh, like to use cool I uh, I might send in some feature requests holding you hostage, like in a, in a similar <laughs> yeah. way that you've done for uh, for campaign. <laughs> like, if you implement these features, I would use it. Uh, and also, I think it's important to recognize, like, the game here is to brutally focus on this is yeah. the type of person that I'm helping, and uh, that person it sounds like is someone who has a SaaS who has Slack open all the time, and just narrowing in on like that is the person I'm helping. I think is the the best way to go forward uh yeah i'm curious what happens if you're not logged into slack where yeah how, how, what happens so i have several ideas and there's lots of edge cases uh for the launch um there will be two options so if you're not logged into slack then it will show either nothing so like mm-hmm. it just gets rid of it or it shows an email list link so or like you click on it you fill out your name email and message and then it sends an email um, oh yeah that's uh, what i have right now that's yeah. the thing that i made for myself so if it defaults to that that would actually be perfect. Yeah. And, and then the, the other thing that some it. people want for sure is to set like business hours because some mm. like, people have Slack on their phones. And so you set business hours and anytime during the business hours, it shows a link. It'll ping you on your phone, you know, yeah. otherwise it'll show the, the mail link. I don't know if I'll get to business hours in the next 48, in the next two days, <laughs> uh, but I will <laughs> definitely have, if you're on, if you're not online, it'll show either nothing or an email me link. Cool. Okay. I take that back. You, if you have the email backup, that would be feature parity with the thing that I have on file inbox right now. Uh, so I think I would use that. And then if you have the extra feature of like, you can have live chat if you happen to have Slack open. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Might be able to nab a few more customers that I wouldn't be able to otherwise just by immediately responding to them. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, if you don't have live chat on any of your websites, it's really hard to know where, like, if you do add it, you know, how many more people would, you know, if they have a question and they could just chat you real quick how many more people will you convert? And it's more than the price of the thing, almost certainly, like with almost yeah. any amount of traffic. <laughs> and so, yeah. Neat. Cool. I'm excited for next week, for both you and I, for the next steps. Uh, for me, I want to be able to transcribe a full video and then take that full transcription of the full video and uh, make a tiny transcription for the smaller clip and then uh, have an interface for editing that because the Google transcription API is like 98% accurate, but if, if you're using a common uh, a proper noun, uh, it usually messes up. So I'd like to fix that and uh, be able to make that social video. And the step after that would be building a really basic version of Buffer, uh, which is just like an API call on a timer. That's, that's not difficult uh, to be able to queue clips up on Twitter and part of that is going to be that I'm going to need to figure out this problem of uh, rendering, running FFmpeg commands in Google Cloud Storage. And I may take your suggestion from last week of making a little API to do that. Yeah, that could be like a t- 
Uh, another SAS. Separate service. Yeah. Another SAS. <laughs> FFmpeg as a service. That's. Yeah. But actually, like that would be a great idea. Uh, oh, and there's even there's this node library called Fluent FFmpeg, that ha it's a translation layer between Node and FFmpeg, and it would be really easy to go from that Node library to like here's a web form or here's an API standard of how you define these commands. Uh, so like, yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, and if I can do it in a serverless way, like it, the cost of making this its own thing would be uh, pretty trivial. And it's a thing that I'm going to need. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's my goal for the next week. Uh, you are 48 hours away from finishing this series of building assassin a week. Yep. What's, what's the plan after that? What's, what are the next five days going to be? So there's probably a whole nother week of things I want to do after the week is done. Um, I already know, you know, the things I'm not going to get done that I'm going to want to. Um, so I'll probably do those at some point in the future. I want to do, maybe it's another week, like a week of marketing this thing. Um, so mm -hmm. like here are, you know, are seven marketing things I'm trying in seven days or something like that. Oh, I um, love that. Like this that whole idea of for the, the problem with that is that marketing, like sometimes you set it up and then wait a week and then see what the results are. So mm. it may not work to be like a, a week long thread or something, but I want to do this thing where I, in public, I test marketing ideas for something that I know people want already. So it's like, it's a, the thing It like things already exist. So all, if I market it right, then I should get customers. And if I don't, yeah. then I know my marketing is wrong, you know, or some, whatever, some, something else. So maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do seven days of sales first, actually, because mm. That is probably the first step anyway. So like talking to people um, where if anyone's listening and doesn't understand what I'm saying is the difference between marketing and sales. Marketing is how do you get people to visit your site? How do you get them to convert in a kind of basic, basically in a non-touch way? Uh, there can be some small touches there, but sales on the other hand is a lot of reaching out. It's a lot of responding to people. It's, talk, it's more one-on-one -on -one talking to people. So even though the price point of this thing which is another thing I have to figure out. But even though the price point is not going to be high enough to like warrant direct sales, doing it at the beginning, I think is, is absolutely the way to go just to learn. Then you take all those lessons and you apply it to your marketing. So yeah. maybe I'll do seven, seven days of sales or something like that. That makes sense. I would love to see that. I would love to see both the seven days of sales of like, I don't know, each video is a snippets from a recorded call that you had with someone and then what you learned from that. Uh, and then the seven days of marketing would be amazing. If you're right a lot of things in marketing, you, it's sort of, you have to implement the thing and then you wait for weeks right. and see if it actually had a result. But you know, if, if every video was, here's the seed that I'm planting, I went on Ahrefs and did some keyword research for things people are looking for. And then based on those, I wrote these articles. Uh, you could have a follow-up series to that of like, yeah, okay, here, here's each of the experiments that I did and uh, how they went. Oh man, I love it. I love this working in public. Uh, Acorn Jet is such a fun experiment. I'm excited to see what the next steps are. Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. All Bye -bye. right.